You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Good morning, Radiant Church. I hope you guys are well. If you are new with us this morning, my name is Marco and I am the lead pastor of Radiant Church. Welcome and thank you so much for making Radiant a part of your weekend. If you're watching online, Make sure you leave us a comment, share this video on your newsfeed. That would help us spread the word. Well, listen, before we get into our message this morning, I want to just refer to something I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. I mentioned this, that when someone delivers a prophetic message, I think that it's kind, I think that it's humble if they ask the question, does this resonate? And if you have ever received a prophetic message and maybe it didn't fit your circumstance or it seemed to be way off, that you have the option to say, you know what, that doesn't fit and let those words fall to the ground, kind of walk away and go on with life. But I failed to mention there's another option there. Let's say that you receive a prophetic message from someone within the church and you still feel like it's not really fitting to your life circumstance right now. Here's what else you can do. You can take that word, you can write it down, store it in a safe place, take it to the Lord, and then maybe six months from today or two years or five years, listen, that word could come to pass. You can wait and watch and see what the Lord might do in and through you. So again, option A is you can kind of let those words fall to the ground if you feel like it's way off. But option B is to do this, write it down, store it, take it to the Lord, continue to live your life of obedience to Him. But listen, watch and wait and see what God might do. And I wanted to just bring some clarification to that because again, I failed to mention that in the sermon a couple of weeks ago. Now, Two weeks ago, we talked about 1 Corinthians 12, and Paul mentions there, he uses the phrase, gifts of healings. And it's plural, actually, in the original language. And this idea is that gifts of healings refers to that no one really truly owns the gift to just heal at will. Because if that was the case, we could just go into McLaren and just clear the hospital this afternoon, right? And heal all the sick people there. The idea is is that Paul is talking about is this, is that when someone is healed, listen, that is a gift in itself. That is the Spirit giving that individual the gift to heal in that moment. Now, it's our job and our role as the people of God to what? To continue to pray and to stand in faith. Now, if you remember back a few weeks ago, that was the service that I had lots of people. I had you stand up if you are facing an affliction or pain in your body or whatever it might be. And we prayed for so many people that morning, and I received so many uh, positive feedback from that service. In fact, there was one woman who had this debilitating back pain. I mean, she told me she couldn't even lay down. That's how bad it was. She couldn't even get rest, and she was prayed for that morning, and she said, I think it's like mostly gone now. And so it was incredible to see the work that God was doing in and through that service. And, um, you know, I also had a lot of uh, people have genuine questions about healing, and then some people even uh, told me that day and that next week, actually, that This is what I heard. I heard that I'm not worthy to be healed. 
I don't feel like I'm worthy to be healed. And I begin to think about this for the next several days and the next week after that. And I really just begin to sense God say two things about this topic of healing. And it was this. Number one, I sensed that um, we needed to go deeper into the topic of healing, okay? And number two, I sensed that God wanted to do more to reveal himself to us as a compassionate and merciful father. You see, how you relate to God determines everything. How you view God actually determines how you relate to him. If you relate to God as a taskmaster, he'll just be simply someone that you're just trying to fulfill an obligation to or fulfill certain duties, right? But if you see him as a good, kind, and merciful father, you'll run to him no matter what the situation is. And so today I'm praying that many of us would see our Heavenly Father as kind and compassionate and merciful and, and for some of us even begin to correct some of our wrong views of who God is. And so if you have a Bible this morning, I want you to open up to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. And we're going to just read two verses, and those two verses will set the stage for where we're going this morning. Matthew 4, 23 and 24. We'll have the words behind me as well. I want you to follow along with me. Here's what it says. Matthew records, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing Every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. So, church, this morning, my message is entitled The God Who Heals. The God Who Heals. Heals, And I want to talk about this idea of healing this morning. And again, I'm excited. I'm anticipating God to just move in here and through us in our prayers in a powerful way. Would you uh, pray with me right now as we open up God's word as we get into the rest of our message? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you, God, for, for who you are and who um, your word says you are. Your word says that you are a good father. And that if we ask for bread, you won't give us a stone, God. You won't give us a snake or a scorpion, God. You will give us the Holy Spirit. How much more, God? If we, if we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will you give us the Holy Spirit? How much more will you give us good things, God? And so, Lord, we come to you this morning asking for your presence and your power to work among us. Spirit of God, would you open up blind eyes? Would you unlock our deaf ears? And would you soften some of our hearts that have been hardened because of life's difficult circumstances? So move in power today, Spirit of God. And we pray that you would reveal God to be Truly who he is, kind and merciful, compassionate, full of grace, Lord. We love you. We thank you for all of this. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, church, let me ask you a question. 
What do you think of when you hear the word kingdom? What do you think of when you hear the word kingdom? I don't know about you, but immediately, usually my mind races to something like this picture right here. It's a picture of a castle and fortress-like structure, maybe with walls that are surrounding it, keeping the enemy away. I think of kind of like a location or a place. When I think of the word kingdom, when I hear the word kingdom, my mind even races to this next picture. It's this knights, you know, and, and shining armor. And again, I think of a place where maybe a king or a queen are in charge, a state or a government where a king and queen begins to rule. And most of us, when we hear or think of the word kingdom, we think of the same thing. We think of a location. When we see that word in the New Testament, in the Gospels, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, we think of a location. But I want to say this. In the New Testament, when we see that phrase, actually, it's not really a location at all, but it's more of an action. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God is not a place or a location. It's an action. So I want to offer you just a brief definition of that phrase. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And here is that definition. Go ahead and put that up. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God over his people. The kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of God over his people. And in Matthew's gospel, uh, you'll see or you'll read the kingdom of heaven is used synonymously with the kingdom of God. It means the same thing, the rule and the reign of God over his people. And Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, actually, like more than any other topic. I don't know if you knew this, but it's true. He talked about the kingdom of more than any other topic. In fact, in Matthew's gospel, it's referred to, it's referenced more than 50 times. It's amazing. It's astounding. So when Jesus steps onto the scene in the New Testament, Jesus comes announcing the arrival of God's rule and God's reign. Now that sounds amazing, doesn't it? But here's the problem. The problem is this. The earth is not a place where God's will is always done. I don't, I don't know if you've noticed that, right? <laughs> but just turn on the news, just look at your family, all right? And you'll see the earth is not a place right now where the will of God is always done. Well, why not? Well, it's simple. Us humans, we assert our will over God's will many times. And if I can just be blunt, what we do is we interfere and our sin enters into the mess, our dysfunction, our doubt, our unbelief, and it just sort of messes everything up, right? So here we have Jesus announcing that God's kingdom is breaking in into our day and age, okay? But then us humans, we kind of mess it all up because of our sin. And, and we look, we look and we, we turn on the news and there's still war going on between Russia and Ukraine. And there's still famine and there's still racism and there's still disease. And there's still people who are dying, right? Uh, uh, innocent children dying. And we know, listen, that God's will isn't always done here as it is in heaven. But nevertheless, we still understand that this kingdom is breaking into our day and age. I want you to notice that. 
And when we see a glimpse of the kingdom of God, here's what happens, okay? When we see the kingdom of God here on the earth right now, some pretty amazing things happen. Number one, lost people are saved. It's incredible. Number two, um, prodigals come home. Maybe you knew a prodigal who was once in church, has wandered away from the church. Prodigals come home, and we celebrate, and it's amazing. They come back to a place of faith. When we see a glimpse of the kingdom of God, we see things like families being restored. We see uh, people who are set free from their addictions, and maybe that's, that's your story. You were addicted to alcohol or, or drugs or whatever sort of substance, and you find yourself in a place of freedom. I love that because that means what? That means the kingdom of God is, has began to invade your life. God's rule, God's reign has come to bear upon you in your life. When we Catch a glimpse of the kingdom of God. Here's what happens. Also, sick bodies are healed. Sick bodies. So whenever we pray for someone and they're healed and they're made well, we see God's in-breaking kingdom. We see God's rule and reign. We see God uh, really being in charge in that moment. It's, it's amazing. He's always in charge. But we see his rule and his reign in a very unique and special way. And I read this verse to you from Matthew 4 that Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom of God. And what happened? He healed people who were sick, those who had diseases. And check this out, church. One day, one day, it's coming, one day God's kingdom will be here on the earth in its fullness. And it's going to be amazing. And listen, Jesus will set up shop here in Bay City. No, not Bay City, but Jerusalem. Okay, he's going to set up shop and he's going to rule and reign. And guess what? God's kingdom will be done here on the earth perfectly as it is in heaven. And the scripture tells us he's going to wipe every tear away. No more death, no more sickness, no more famine, no more wars. Oh, what a glorious day it'll be, right? Amen, church? Come on. Amen. Yeah, can we clap our hands for that? I want to make sure you're awake. It's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit later. You're, you're getting hungry or you're already ate. You're at Bob Evans and you're about to fall asleep. I don't know what happened, okay? So I want to make sure you're with us. I know Lasco's has a great deal on Sundays, but I want you to be with us, okay? And so listen, one day that's going to happen, and we have that to look forward to. But nevertheless, we still see glimpses of God's kingdom here and now. And as I begin this discussion on healing this morning, what I want to do is I actually want to start off with two wrong views of healing. I want to show you two wrong views of healing, and I believe that we need to actually avoid these, if at all possible, okay? Two wrong views of healing. The first view of healing you'll notice behind me is the view that every time you pray for a person, they are healed, okay? This is the idea that healing is automatic, okay? Um, I've heard a lot of Pentecostals and Charismatics use the phrase, healing is in the atonement. And when they use that phrase, what they're implying is this, is that healing is automatic, okay? Now, listen, I think there's a lot of well-intentioned people in the body of Christ, and I still think they're wrong. I still think they're wrong, okay? What I've also seen is just a heap load of guilt and condemnation come over people who are not healed, even though someone else says they're healed. Make sense? So it's like, hey, you are healed. No, just... Claim it and just walk in it. You, you just need to have faith. 
But I don't, I still feel sick. No, you're healed. Shut up, okay? I prayed for you already. Now get on out of here, okay? And you're like, I'm not. I still got, you know, this issue and this problem. And then you walk away, what? Feeling what? Guilt, shame, and condemnation. I don't think that was meant for the body of Christ. That's not how the way healing should work in the body of Christ. That people walk away with all this guilt and shame and like, I just don't have enough faith. I mean, she prayed for me. She said I'm healed, but I, I, I promise you I still feel sick. And, you know, and so I think that's a wrong view. And what I would rather say, does healing come from the atonement? Well, 100%. What is the atonement? The, to- the atonement is the sacrifice that Jesus had made for us on the cross. But I would rather say this, that healing comes through the atonement. There's a difference, okay? One says it's just automatic, okay? And the other one says, listen, healing is possible. It comes through the atonement, okay? Now, let me show you the other opposite wrong view of healing, and that is this. It's this idea that, listen, I don't need to pray for people anymore because God no longer heals, right? God, you know, he, Jesus, we see him do that in uh, the, the, the New Testament, we see God healing in the Old Testament, right? Because, listen, the idea is, is that in the Old Testament, God reveals himself as what? As Yahweh Rapha, I am the God who heals you. So powerful, so powerful, okay? But it's this idea that, hey, I'm not going to pray because, you know, God doesn't do that kind of stuff anymore. Uh, so, you know, there's no need to pray. And, and what we need to do, rather, is be somewhere in the middle. So much of the church either veers on the right or all the way to the left. Either healing is automatic or God no longer heals. And I want to just offer you a third way this morning. I think a, a healthier version or healthier theology for our healing, and that is this, is that God heals Today, okay? God heals today. And while we may not see it every time, that should never stop us from praying with faith for those who are sick or suffering. Amen? Okay? God heals today, and while we may not see it every single time, that should never stop us from praying with faith for those who are sick or those who are suffering, okay? Here's what I want to do with the rest of our time today. I want to spend the majority of our time just looking at reasons why God still heals today, okay? And, and again, we're going to primarily focus in on the New Testament so we can focus in on the, on the ministry of Jesus and the, the ministry of the apostles, primarily because, listen, uh, if we went into the Old Testament, we, we, we'd be here till 3 o'clock, and then you'd get hungry, your kids would get ornery, I mean, it'd just be a big mess, you'd throw tomatoes at me, all right? And so we're not going to do that because there's a time limit here, there's time constraints, I, I understand that. We're going to focus in just on Jesus and the apostles. But Here's what I'm hoping for. Here's what I'm praying for. I'm praying for, listen, that as we go through these verses, my heart, my hope is what? Is that it stirs faith on the inside of you. Faith on the inside of you. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay. So as we go through these verses, I pray that you're stirred in your spirit's for faith, for healing, either for yourself or as you pray for someone else today, okay? So let's dive right in. Number one, reason number one, sometimes God heals just because he's asked. Isn't that awesome? 
Sometimes God heals just because he's asked. James says this, James chapter 4, I believe he says that you have not because you ask not. You don't have it because you haven't asked for it. And listen, some, for some of us, um, it's not very apparent. Maybe we just haven't asked for God to heal. I want you to notice Mark chapter 7, verse 31 and 32. It says this, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And what happens? And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. Now, if you read the rest of the story, what happens? Well, Jesus puts his finger in the man's ear, which is very awkward, right? And then he spits and he touches his tongue. And then right after that, the man is able to speak and he can hear. Now, listen, I want to just, I just want to set your minds at ease. I'm not going to put my fingers in anyone's ear this morning, okay? So just relax and chill out, okay? It's a very unorthodox means of healing someone, isn't it? I mean, it's strange. I, I read the story again this week, and I was like, dude, that's wild, okay? Like, Jesus is like, I'm like, I'm good. Like, I don't know. Maybe I can just stay deaf, Jesus, okay? I don't know. I was like, either way, here's what we gather from the story, church. There's no mention of faith. There's no mention of even anything else. In fact, what we know is this, is that for all we know, listen, the only reason Jesus healed this man is because people asked him to do it. And I want that to just encourage you today. Have you asked? Have you asked the Lord? Have you asked someone to pray for you, right? And so sometimes, if I can be really honest with you, if I'm facing an ailment, if I'm facing physical pain in my body, if I'm facing sickness, if I'm honest with you, there are many times where it never dawns on me to just ask the Lord. I don't know why it is, but I just, I forget. And then I'm like, oh yeah, like I should, <laughs> I should ask him, right? I should just ask Jesus, would he heal me and pray over myself or ask someone else, would you come over? Would you, would you pray with me? Sometimes God heals because he's asked. Number two, God heals because he has compassion and mercy on the sick and the hurting. He has compassion and mercy. I love this. I love this. This is the heart of God. Compassion and mercy on the sick and the hurting. You know that Greek word for compassion. Did you know that it literally means from the bowels or your inward parts, like your intestines? So a more literal definition of compassion in the Bible would be this. It would be to be moved in your inward parts. To be moved in your inward parts. It's this idea like that when you have compassion on someone, right, it's a yearning that comes from, the, from deep within you. And you, your, your heart is broken for, for her, for him. And you're like, you're, you're longing for something. You're yearning for someone, right? It's, it comes from the inward parts of, of who you are. Now, I want you to think, I want you to flash back to the animal shelter commercials. Anyone, right? Sarah McLaughlin playing in the background in the arms of an angel. Do I have to sing it for you? I'm not going to do that, all right? I'm not going to do that. What happens during those commercials? They show these puppy dogs and these big old brown eyes, and you're like, oh, my God, it's, honey, we have to rescue this puppy. 
we're, the, we're its only hope, right? And your heart is like, you're like yearning. You're like, oh, oh my goodness. And, and listen, can I just tell you, that's the way Jesus felt for people who were sick. When you read the scripture, I want you to think of that next time. Jesus had compassion on them. He's yearning. He's from the inside. He's feeling this. Matthew 14, 14. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Notice that verse. What happens first, church? Compassion first, and then what? Healing next. A result or a byproduct of the compassion of Jesus is that people are healed. It's incredible. Matthew 20, Matthew tells us about two blind men who were singing on the side of the road, and, and they're, they're begging Jesus for mercy. I think they're crying out, right, have mercy on me, son of David. I, I believe they, they give that title to him. Matthew 20, 34, Jesus had compassion, there it is again, on them, and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. I love this. I love this. Luke chapter 7 Tells us about a, a woman who had just lost her son, okay? She lost her son, but previously she had also lost her husband. So she's a widow who loses her son. Can you imagine just the heartache that she's experiencing right now at this point in her life when, it's, when the story takes place? Luke chapter 7, verse 11. We'll start there. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, what does it say, church? His heart went out to her. Isn't that awesome? It's the idea of compassion. Jesus' heart was like breaking. He's like, oh my God. This poor woman, she lost her husband and now her son. His, his heart is broken. He says, don't cry. Then he went up and he touched the bier. They were carrying him on. And the bearer stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up. He began to talk. Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. Isn't that good? Church, I told you this is how Jesus felt for the sick and the hurting in the first century. But I want to remind you that this is how Jesus feels today. This is how Jesus feels today. This is not just like, oh, first century, oh, Bible times, oh, yeah, back in, you know, Israel, back in those days. No, this is like right now. Right now. God has compassion. Jesus has compassion and mercy on you if you're, if, you're, if you're suffering in your body, if there's sickness, if there's an illness, if there's chronic pain or whatever you're facing right now. And, and friends, listen, if Jesus had mercy and compassion in the first century, who are we to think that somehow God has withdrawn that mercy from his people? No. He has not withdrawn his mercy. He has not withdrawn his kindness and his compassion. He is still the compassionate God. And I believe, listen, I believe he wants to show himself merciful to you this morning. Here in this room, those of you who are watching online today, God is compassionate, not just back then, but today. Reason number three, God heals so that people will believe and put their trust in him. 
God heals so that people will believe and put their trust in him. Acts chapter 9, Peter heals this man. His name is Aeneas. Here's what happens in verse 35. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll your mat. Immediately Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him. And what happens? And they turned to the Lord. It's amazing. They turned to the Lord. Soon after that, we see Peter. He heals a, a woman named Dorcas. Um, the Bible says, Luke actually writes this, that she was, a, she was a good woman. She was always helping people, always helping the poor. Notice what Acts 9.42 says after the healing. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Isn't that amazing? As a result of this healing, many people believed in the Lord. So listen, at times God will heal people so that... Listen, others will put their trust and their faith in him. And I love this because, listen, if you pray for someone and, and, they're, and they're healed, it could be that the rest of their family comes to faith in Jesus Christ. They see the power of God on display. They see, you know, the miraculous happen, and they're like, wow. Wow, I feel, I feel deep conviction, and, and I'm... I need to know this God who heals. This is incredible. So one person is healed, and what happens? At times, the rest of the family is saved. The whole household comes to faith. So God will heal at times just so people will come to faith. So amazing. Reason number four, God heals for his glory. God heals for his glory. This is the primary reason that God raised Lazarus to life. Remember in John's gospel Lazarus is already dead when he shows up on the scene, and uh, 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 I think it's his sisters are like, it's too late. You should have came earlier, Jesus. What were you doing? I mean, come on. I mean, like, what were you doing? And, and, and Jesus raises Lazarus. John eleven four says this. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. It is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, Jesus demonstrates that he was the resurrection and the life. And this demonstration brought great glory and great praise and great honor to God and the Son of God as well. I want you to notice Matthew 15, 30, 31. In the ESV translation, it says this, And great crowds came to him, came to Jesus, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet, at the feet of Jesus, and he healed them. So that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled, healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they what, church? They glorified the God of Israel. This is amazing. Jesus expected that when someone received the healing power of God, and when God healed somebody, Jesus expected that they would turn to God in praise, that they would honor God, that they would give him glory. And we see that oftentimes in the Gospels. Reason number five that God heals, God heals in response to faith. God heals in response to faith. Many of you remember the woman with the issue of blood. She had this for 12 years, and she's 
She says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. And so what does she do? She, she works her way through the crowd, and she's, you know, trying to get her way through, and she's desperate for healing. And she knows that if she can just touch Jesus, he will heal her. So she touches the hem of his garment, and then Jesus senses that there's this power has gone out from him. He turns to the woman. He sees her there, and what does he say? Matthew 9.22 says this, Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you, and the woman was healed at the moment. Now listen, let me just say this quickly. Faith is absolutely crucial. It's important. But I also want you to notice that at times, Jesus doesn't even ask individuals if they have faith, okay? So listen, faith is important. But we can't put all of our weight simply into faith because then faith becomes more about how much we can conjure up and what we can do. It's, all, it's more of a works-based kind of thing rather than the sovereign hand of God moving in and touching the body, okay? So faith is super important. I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't want to diminish at all faith. But listen, I don't want anyone else to walk around saying, I just don't have the faith. Jesus said if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. Listen, that's tiny, tiny, tiny. And for some of us, that's where we're at this morning. It's like barely. It's like a little scrap of faith. And you've, you've come in and you're like, this message isn't for me, Pastor Marco. I, I, I barely have any faith and just a tiny bit. And listen, it's not dependent just upon your faith, but it's dependent upon the heart of God to heal, okay? So I want us to, to, to know that today as well. It was the faith of a Canaanite woman who moved Jesus to heal her demonized daughter. Notice Matthew 15, 28. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. I love this, right? Woman, you have great faith. Jesus recognized that, okay? Did you know there's another passage in the Bible where it says that Jesus was amazed at their what? At their lack of faith. He's <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, no, right? He's amazed at their lack of faith. He couldn't even do many healings there. And so I love this because this is recorded here in Scripture. This woman had great faith. And it's like, wow, that's amazing. But you don't want Jesus to be amazed at your lack of faith, okay? You want him to be amazed at how much faith you have, that you trust in his ability, not only in his ability, his desire to heal you, church. Matthew 9 Verse 2, another story. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, interesting there, isn't it? How is Jesus able to see their faith? I'm not entirely sure. Like, is there like a sign on their forehead? Like, I've got a lot of faith. Is it just their enthusiasm? Is it because they came in with this expectation? Is it their desperation that Jesus could see? I mean, the text doesn't tell us, but we know this. Jesus saw their faith. I think it was just simply the idea that they were moved to action is what I think is the case. They were moved to action to do something to get him to Jesus. They, at all costs, we're going to bring him to Jesus. Whatever it costs us, whatever we have to do, whatever we have to move, we're going to get him to Jesus. I think Jesus saw that. He said to the man, take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Now you're thinking, wait, wait a minute. I thought, I thought he was going to be healed. Well, he is, and we'll get to that. But I want you to also know that our primary issue, our most important issue is not the sickness in our body. And you're like, wait, wait, yes, it is. It's actually not. It's secondary, okay? 
Our primary issue is our sin issue that Jesus came to take care of in his first coming. In his second coming, he will come to eradicate all death, disease, and sickness. So here's what Jesus does. He's like, I I need to handle something that you're not even thinking about right now, and it's your sin. So he comes and he forgives him of his sin. But if you press on to verse number 7 and 8, what do we see? We see this. Then the man got up and went home. He's well. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to man. So listen, I love this because this guy gets the best of both worlds, right? He's, he gets like the double package, the, the double blessing, right? Sins are forgiven and the dude is healed. Like that's a good day. That's a good, like, I just had a really good day. You can tell your family and friends that, right? Sins are forgiven. I just got healed. I'm rocking around, running around. Life is really good, okay? This is incredible. Reason number six, God heals in response to his own promise. God heals in response to his own promise. I want us to look at James 5, 14 through 16. I feel like some Christians don't even know this is in the Bible, honestly, but let's, let's go there. James says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Now, this is interesting because now he deals with sin. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven because there's an underlying assumption here that sometimes our sin does cause sickness and disease. If they they have sinned, they will be forgiven Therefore, in light of this, James says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Here's the idea, church. The idea is this, is that we want to obey James chapter 5. This is the reason why every Sunday morning our prayer team comes up. And listen, I'm not going to hide it from you, but our, our prayer team is primarily the elders of the church and their, and their wives, okay? And, and that's for a specific reason or purpose. I am very particular about who's on the prayer team, okay? That's true as well. I'm very particular about that. But I want the elders to be praying for people, praying for the sick every single Sunday. Why? Because James 5, call the elders of the church, anoint them with oil, which we have oil today. We can anoint you as well. Pray for them. If they're sick in their bodies, they'll be raised up. So this is a promise that we see in Scripture. Now, I want to say something else, though, because maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? That's exactly. I, I got to, you know, when I come to church, I want Pastor Marco to pray for me. When I come to church, I got I to gotta have Troy pray for me. When I come to church, I got to have Bill's got to pray for me. And if they're not praying for me, I don't want anyone else laying hands on me. I don't want that other crazy lady in the third row. I don't want that one guy in the back who always dances. No, thank you. I want an elder of the church, a pastor in the church, to pray for me. Now, I understand the sentiment, but let me just also say this. This is not just something for the elders and the pastors. This is something to equip the entire body of Christ. 
All of you, if you're in Jesus Christ, you should be praying for people who are sick. How do we know that, okay? Because if you can't get to Troy, if you can't get to Bill, they're great guys, good-looking dudes, okay? But if you can't get to them, guess what? Have another brother or sister pray for you. Why? Because here's what the Bible says. It says, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. Who's righteous? Well, that would be us who are in Christ. Right? We have become, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we have become the righteousness of God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The righteous person, listen, those who are in Christ, if you're here and you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, listen, here's what that means. It means your prayers are powerful, they're effective, and you better be praying for people. Don't give me this, well, I can't get to Troy today, and I can't get to Bill. He was so busy. So grab someone else and say, brother, get over here. I need you to pray right now for me. Lay your hands on me. That's right. Are you a believer? If you're not a believer, okay, then you don't have to pray for me, right? But the idea is this, is that this is to equip the entire body of Christ. Yes, let's have the elders pray. But I love James. He says, listen, don't forget, you're righteous. If you're righteous, if you're in Christ, you are righteous, okay? It's based on what he's done, not what we've done. Your prayers are powerful. I love what the King James says. I think it's the, the prayer of a righteous person is uh, um, uh, availeth much, right? Availeth much. I don't even know what that means. But powerful and effective, I guess, right? But I love it. It's this idea that we should all be praying for individuals. This is not just something for the elders or the pastors of the church. So let's review quickly. Why does, God, why does God heal today? Number one, sometimes God heals just because he's asked. Isn't that cool? Isn't that so kind of him? Just because he's asked. Are you asking him? Are you asking friends, family, those who are in Christ? You know, I said this in first service. I'll say it again. I, I love when people have like, you know, like the... giant uh, text message groups, and they put out a, a prayer request. Hey, pray for me. I got this. Or pray for this. I, this, has got, this is going on. And hey, I love those things, and those are amazing. And, and man, my, my, my heart is sparked when somebody sends the little praying hands emoji, okay? And that's, that's amazing, and that touches me, okay? But sometimes what we need to do is simply say, hey, I, I need you to come over and pray with me in person. Uh, hey, I love technology. I love texting groups to, for prayer. That's awesome. But sometimes we just need to say, hey, will you, will you come over and pray for me? You, you know, a lot of times, and, and I get the heart here. So hear, hear my heart, church. Oftentimes, people will come up sometimes and say, will you pray for my so-and-so? And we will always pray for your aunt, your grandma, whoever it is. But you know what we want more than anything? We want your grandma to be here so we can pray for her in person. We want your uncle here so we can pray for them. We can lay hands on him, anoint them with oil in person. Yes, we'll always pray for them, okay? Absolutely. So hear my heart, but you know what's better than that is getting them here and say, you know what, when you come to church, we want to pray for you in person. So why are you asking? Sometimes God heals because he has compassion and mercy on the sick and the hurting. He's kind. He's compassionate. 
and he'll show himself to be that way. God heals so that people will believe and put their trust in him. One person can be healed. The rest of the family can come to faith. It's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. It's happened in the scriptures. It can happen today. God heals sometimes for his own glory, for his own praise, his own renown. This is not strange to God. This is what we see in scripture. Number five, God heals in response to faith. Remember, faith, the idea that we are trusting in him, trusting God. And, and faith, listen, is more than just, I believe God can do it, because a lot of Christians believe that. Faith is also saying, I believe God wants to do it. That his heart is actually to heal. Uh, most Christians are, are okay with God is able to heal. But when, they, when, when you press them and say, what well, does God want to? They're like, well, I don't know. Like, he might not, you know, this might be my thorn in my side. Uh, that was Paul's. Might not be yours unless you got a revelation from God himself, okay? So I think we should ask. We should ask. And we should trust. Number six, God heals in response to his own promise, okay? God heals in response to his own promise. James chapter 5. If you're sick, call the elders of the church, anoint them with oil, lay hands on them. The one who's sick will be raised up. If they're sinned, they'll be forgiven, okay? We want to do that. But it's not just elders. It's to equip the body of Christ who are righteous. They should be praying for people as well. We're going to go ahead and wrap up our time, and I want to have a time of ministry as well for all of us here today. And my prayer, again, is that I hope, I hope, that your heart was stirred with faith. Your heart was, and I want to be sensitive, and, and I understand this. Maybe you're thinking, Pastor Marco, I've been prayed for about 48 times, and I want to be sensitive to that. And yet, at the same time, I want your heart to be moved with faith. Because you may have never seen all these verses laid out the way that I laid them out for you. Okay? He's compassionate, he's kind. He does it for his honor, his glory. He does it so people will trust him and save him. And so today I want your faith to be stirred up. So let's do this one more time. Church, I'm going to ask you to be brave again. If today you're facing an ailment, physical, body, chronic pain, disease, I want you to stand up. We're going to pray for you. I want to open it up even a little, a little more. If it's an emotional psychological illness that you've been battling. We sang that song earlier today about Jesus over anxiety and depression. Maybe that's you. We want to pray for you as well. But go ahead and stand up if that's you right now all across this room. We had many people stand up. If that's you, go ahead and stand up. Several people standing up. Awesome. Thank you so much for being brave. A couple more seconds. Who else? I know there's some more people probably. Maybe and if you can't stand up, that's okay. Maybe you just raise your hand and we'll still have people pray for you, okay? I understand maybe that you're unable to stand up. Maybe there's pain in your knees or your legs and we still want to pray for you today, okay? Several people here, many people in first service stood up, okay? Go ahead, the church, I want you to look around and I want every person who stood up, I want them to have somebody pray for them right now. So let's move across this room today. We're going to equip the body of Christ. Elders, you should be moving around right now. Pastors, be moving around. Uh, all the rest of you, go ahead and move around right now.
to a place. Every person should have at least one to two people praying for them. Let's make sure no one is left here. I don't want anyone leaving who wants prayer. I don't want them leaving without prayer today, okay? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds, and I want to hear the whole room just kind of talk. For the next 30 seconds, if you're being prayed for, go ahead and tell that person praying for you what the problem is. Go ahead right now. Just begin all across the room. Begin to tell the people what's going on in your physical body. Just a few more seconds. Just kind of make it quick. Get to the point of things. Awesome. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, just like last time, I'm going to begin the prayer, okay, and then I'm going to leave it to the rest of you then to pray for over those individuals. So right now, let me begin the prayer, and let's stand in faith before God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. And this morning, God, we're calling upon the merciful and compassionate God. Lord, would you move in power right now? Father, would you distribute gifts of healings all across this room those even watching online god would you touch broken bodies lord those who are diseased and ill fighting chronic sickness or pain lord or maybe there's a diagnosis from the doctor lord father would you give gifts of healings god not because we're great but because you're great because you're kind you're merciful you're compassionate god and you long to show people how merciful you are god so across this room spirit of the living god come right now and do what only you can do heal bodies here in this room heal bodies with those who are watching online right now in living rooms and kitchens across this region god begin to touch people right now lord we believe god that you have a desire to heal today lord we thank you for that go ahead people i release you now begin to pray over them right now all across this room i should hear people praying go ahead begin to keep, continue to pray lord thank you